On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Highway Hi-Fi Podcast, where we'll scour our final collections to bring you great songs by unknown artists and unknown songs by great artists. I'm Joe. And I'm Ryan. And you found the internet's first, only, and best place for music. Uh, Well, maybe not that, but you found a a great podcast to hear some new type tunes and get a little trivia and learn a little bit about the music that you love as much as we love it. And uh, so, Joe, tell since this is our first inaugural podcast, tell uh, the uh, loyal listening public about what we do here. What we do is a, a lot of what you just said. But what we'd like to do is provide everybody with some information that maybe they didn't have about music, and, and hopefully it's interesting to everybody. Uh, we're going to be doing um, trivia. We're also going to be doing something every show where we, one of us, will take a specific topic, and hopefully we will introduce a new information to everybody that maybe they knew a little bit about uh, with music history and maybe they didn't and either way we we do hope you find it entertaining uh, and informative and then at the very end what our main goal here is the whole program and this is what we started doing uh, we are going to play a couple songs each the songs you probably won't know maybe you will hopefully hopefully you don't and then you love them uh, we're going to play songs that we love from our vinyl collection uh, basically a phone call that Ryan and I would have normally where we talk about records. And That's right. And so the only rule as far as what songs we can play is that one of us at least has to have the physical vinyl media. The songs that you hear are actually going to be recorded from our records. Other than that, uh, all's fair game. And let's go ahead and get started. So let's do some trivia. Oh, you know more than I know. You know more. Okay, I'm going to lead off this trivia, the first show, the inaugural trivia event, with some musical clips. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play five snippets. Uh, What I need you to do is tell me what the songs are. Okay. And what I mean by this is what the original song is. These are all covers. They're all instrumental covers of songs that you know. And I think most of the people out there are going to be aware of these songs. So... I'll play these. It's going to last. Each clip is probably 20 to 30 seconds. At the end of the show, we'll go over them again, and we'll let you know what the answers are. The way you're vaguely presenting this, I'm guessing that I am not going to know the artist? You are absolutely not going to know the artist of the person <laughs> okay. playing these these songs on this cover, um, on the covers, though maybe one of them? You've heard of a lot of them because okay. we've, we've played them. but. You will know the artist and song of the original. So name both. Let's make it even a little harder. Not just the song. You now have to name the original artist. Okay, okay. But not okay. the artist playing on the song. Well, this this ought to be interesting. Okay. All right, let's so do it. So I'm just going to jump right in here. Track one.
two. as you are in getting those songs but uh we'll see what happens i'll let them rattle around maybe some people out there <laughs> listening will, will uh, know hopefully some of them are at least things that you can recognize like bass lines and things to, yeah to yeah i think there might have been one or two that i've got an idea okay. so all right and of course we'll answer those at the end of the show and so uh bear with us and uh and if you're dying to know the answer uh we will give them to you at the end of the show and so now for my quiz with my quiz, you can go ahead and answer uh, as soon as you know it. And the name of my quiz is All the Right Friends. And so your job is to name the song based on the musicians and bands that are name-checked in the lyrics of the song. So what I'm going to do okay. is I'm going to give you a series of music artists or bands that are listed in the song, and you need to tell me what the name of the song is and, if you can, who uh, did the song. All right. Okay. Do you have an example at all? Or sure. am I just sure. being thrown right in? Well, I'll start with an easy one, I think. I think. Okay. 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 So the first one is Beatles, Stones, and T-Rex. What song mentions Beatles, Stones, and T-Rex? David Bowie? Yep. Is it... Also covered uh, by another glam band. <laughs> oh, it's... um. Oh, did, is this the one that is... Um, uh, all the Young Dudes? Yes, All the Young Dudes okay. by David Bowie or okay. Mott the Hoopla. I would have accepted either. So, okay. okay. All right, and there's, these are going to go from various levels of difficulty, ones that I think most people should know, or at least most music lovers, and some that I think maybe you are the only person in the universe, Joe, who could get it. So, we'll see. Yeah, no, no pressure. Yeah, yeah. All right, here, you ready? Count Basie, yeah. Satchmo, Glenn Miller, Ella Fitzgerald, and Duke Ellington. Wow, <laughs> it's a seventies soulful funk song. I would say. Wait, oh, what did you say? Sorry, seventies soulful funk song. Is it? Is it funkadelic? Nope, nope. Man, I don't have any idea. It is Nothing. Sir Duke by Stevie Wonder. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't know the lyrics of that song at all. Oh, 
Oh, you, I, you have you heard the song? You've yep. heard the song. Okay, okay. Yep. All right. Yep. All right. Well, let's let's move right along. Here we go. This next one I think you'll get. Can Suicide, Daft Punk, Captain Beefheart, Modern Lovers, and Sonics. <laughs> the LCD songs. sound system. The, songs. Um, the song is oh, and I was just I just played this the other day. I, ooh, I should know what's the name he, of this. What's he doing to the young kids from Paris and London? <laughs> what's the name of the song? Losing my edge. He's losing, losing my his edge. edge. Yep. Yep. yep, losing my edge by good, LCD sound really system. Really good song. Oh, it's a great um, song. I, I've never been a huge fan of LCD Sound System. I really like that song, and I actually everything I've heard from the new album I like a lot too. Oh, okay. I haven't heard the new album, but I, I really like that song. I like a few of his other songs. Okay, let's uh, let's go country. Waylon Jennings, Charlie Pride, Merle Haggard. It, um, is this? Oh, uh, is this Tom T. Hall? No, but you're close. Okay. Uh, Think more uh, racist. <laughs> that, that doesn't cut it down much. <laughs> oh, racist country singer. I don't know. Who is it? Is it, it um, Merle Haggard? No, no. Uh, it's David Allen Coe with You Never oh, okay, Even Call okay. Me By My Name. Okay. Good. Ooh, good uh, all right, not, Joe. Not necessarily a good karaoke song, but one you hear a lot. Yes, you hear it a lot. You hear it a lot. That's another one. I only know the lyrics. I only hear the lyrics when I'm already too far gone. So <laughs> I don't remember them, and I don't sing it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's the only part I, I remember is the, the Waylon Jennings, Charlie Pride, Merle Haggard part. But uh, all right, here we go. Elvis, Zimmerman, Beatles, Yoko. John Lennon? Yep. It is, um, is it that something ism, 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 ism song? I don't, what's the name of it? God. It's called God. God. Okay. But I'll give you okay. points for John Lennon. That's, this is uh, turning out to be kind of a hard, hard quiz. So I'll give you That's points all right. for that. No, it's not, it's not that difficult. I just, I just am not in the groove yet. Oh man. These were the easy ones. You're going to about to get blown away. All right. Here we go. Here we go. There are more. There's five more. Okay. Okay. Right. They're Bring it. Jerry Lee Lewis, John Lennon. T-Rex, and Old Multi. What is Old Multi? He's the one-armed drummer of the Barbarians. <laughs> That's not in the song. <laughs> Do you remember that? Do you remember Jerry Lee Lewis? I know the killer. Um, <laughs> wow. Again, no idea. You're really killing me on Yeah, that. yeah. Do you remember Rock and Roll Radio by the Ramones? Oh wow! The old multi isn't is something they mention in that. It's like, do you remember Jerry Lee, John Lennon, T Rex, and old multi? Anyways, okay. I didn't know who he wow. was, but apparently he's a one-armed drummer. Which is and I am cool. coming off looking like a total schmuck in this first episode. That's right. That's what so, that was my goal. Okay, this is yeah, the one that exactly, I, think, yeah, I, I think there's maybe you and maybe three other people that can get this song. Yeah, song. the Stevie Wonder one was. That's the one. I'm and. So far, I know you've got a bunch more, but I really hate to uh, to kind of throw people off and hate me already. I'm not a Stevie Wonder fan, but go ahead. <laughs> go ahead and, and uh, disenfranchise our two me. listeners. All right, here we go. Yeah. All right, like I said, this one I think is all you. Van Morrison, Morrissey, Jimi Hendrix, Brian Jones, Brian Wilson. Is this Otterville River? No, no, no. Let me let me wow. let me say one more time. Van Morrison. Yeah. Marissi, Jimi Hendrix, Brian Jones, Brian Wilson. I know what this one is too. I can hear it. 
but I cannot picture who it is or what it's called. It is... He doesn't like them. <laughs> this is a song I introduced to you, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's a yeah. band a song you introduced to me. You Again, you might be the only person that has this on vinyl in the world. <laughs> oh. the, eight, the greatest songwriter of the 80s, Marissi. <laughs> but it's not Morrissey Rides a Cock Horse. It's something no, else. it's not Morrissey Rides a Cock Horse. Right, right. Um, he doesn't mention anybody else in that one. He says, what would Brian Jones be like today? I know, Brian Wilson. Oh, wow. I have not played this in a long time. What is it? It's I don't remember it. Anti-music song by the Mountain Goats. Oh, crap. Oh, man. My Mountain Goats. I have not. I really don't think I've listened to that one in 10, 15 years. I, yeah, so I couldn't pull it out. You do have, so do you now, have that one on vinyl? I don't know. I was just making that up. No, I do not. Okay. It's probably on uh-huh. one of those weird compilations. It's on one of those three compilations yeah, yeah. that they pulled together. That Or those compilations were only put out on CD. Oh, okay. They never got put yeah. out on record. Oh, well, nobody has. There was a lot of seven inches that were on there, but I don't know if that one was one of those or if that's just something he put on a cassette and was never never otherwise released. Okay. All right. We got three more. Yeah, we'll just plow right along. All right. Lou Rawls, Sam and Dave, Wilson Pickett, Otis Redding, James Brown. Is this Junior Parker? No, but you're close. Because it would be later than that, wouldn't it? A little later. Probably early seventies, maybe late late sixties. Okay. What late? What record label? I don't know. Come on, I don't know. Who is it? It's Sweet Soul Music by Arthur Conley. Oh, okay, okay. Yep, yep. Okay, good song. Yeah, I I think it was a decently sized hit. All right, here's another one that you introduced to me. So it'll be real embarrassing if you don't get it. Yeah, because this is this is really helped with the other. All right, great. Pete Townsend. Jimmy Page, Jimi Hendrix, Black Francis, Chuck Berry. Do I have this on vinyl? Mm, I doubt it. <laughs> Do you have any of this? Any other <laughs> trivia that would help me? He's he, sure. Okay. He is a son of a more, I would say, more famous singer. He, this is from probably the last decade. Is it Bobby Bear Jr.? It is, okay. it is. Um, you know I don't know the name of the song. I legitimately Dig down, that. dig down. Okay. And he's basically cursing each one of those people for, for taking all the good music. Do you know what Bobby Bear Jr. is doing today? No, what's he doing? He's a member, he's an official member of Guided by Voice. No, yep. really? Yep. These last two oh. albums he's been on. I think he's been touring with them too. Oh, okay, yeah. that's cool, that's cool. I mean, all right. Here's the last one. Let's see, I'm not going to help you out just yet. Bob Dylan... E. Bloom, Richard Hell, Joe Strummer, John Doe. Um, I'm trying to think of the ones. Can you read that again for me? Read those names. Yeah, yeah. Bob Dylan, E. Bloom, Richard Hell, Joe Strummer, John Doe. All right, hint. Okay, it's a punk band, and this song is part two. I don't think there is a part one. Wait, do you have any idea what year it came out? About? Uh... I would guess 82 or 3. California punk band. Oh, California? Okay. Um, yeah. The lead singer. I one time had a picture of the lead singer like, on my computer <laughs> screen. Minute, my dad, uh, minute my dad minute? thought it was me. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Man. History lesson part two. <laughs> All right. Which, was that on so, Double Nickels? Uh, yeah, okay. that's on Double Nickels, I'm pretty sure. Yep. So that was a pretty tough quiz, that, I think. That was a really um, tough quiz. Uh, so we both started but, uh, off with ones that the other person's not going to get any of. 
No offense. Yeah, this is going to be kind of a theme, I think, trying to stump the other person. Wow. But, uh, so this is going to make for cool. great radio. Yeah. Hey, it's not radio. It's podcast. And, people yeah, people yeah. have the option. Okay. So, all right. Are you ready to move on? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So next up, we've got our turntable talk. Everybody is talking at me. I don't hear a word they're saying. Only the echoes of my mind. Okay, well, this is the part of our show where we are going to try to introduce to you some information about a very specific topic um, in music history. Each week, one of us is going to kind of take the lead on this so that uh, one is tired and one isn't and one has done a lot of work. But anyway, this first one, the inaugural one, we are both kind of kind of running with this one because it's sort of important to the show itself. Now, the show, right. this show is called Highway Hi-Fi Podcast. The reason we chose Highway Hi-Fi as the name is because the name we liked more was taken. However, <laughs> we, this is true. we actually like this one more now. If you don't know already, there there is a Highway Hi-Fi system. So we didn't just make this up. The 40s and 50s. When you were driving around in your car, you had, if you were lucky, you had a radio. And on that radio, you may have had a, just a couple channels. So not many options right. for music. Cassettes weren't around, eight tracks weren't around. Uh, so the only thing that was was vinyl. So Chrysler very brightly came <laughs> up with an idea of putting records into cars. And you, uh, Ryan, That's and right. I have actually seen one of these. We saw Isaac Hayes's uh, car in in Memphis at the Stax Studio or Stax Museum. Yeah. Stax um, Museum, where the whole car is kind of on a lazy susan spinning around, and there's there's the uh, the record player sitting out there, and it is the Chrysler Highway Hi-Fi. This was introduced in 1956, so about 10 years after radio. This thing is hilarious because <laughs> <laughs> picture yourself driving in 1956. You've got you've got your hand on the steering wheel. You've got another hand holding a, an old-fashioned. You've got you've got another <laughs> hand trying to change a 12-inch record out. So it's it's not practical. It was a tw- not they practical. put 12-inch records, but they didn't put ones that you could actually go out and buy. So what they did was they changed the speed of the 12-inch records, which was typically 78 or 33 and a third. And actually, with 12 inches, at that point, it was just 33 and a third. Right. So they changed the speed and brought it down to 16 and two-thirds so that they so that recordings, uh, recording artists could fit 90 minutes of music on these, on these, turns, on these records, which was great um, until you hit a bump. They were awful. Uh, when... They had to weigh the needle down so hard onto the record that it just basically destroyed the records immediately. Also, they only made 42 of them. So what what little choice you had with the radio wasn't really expanded with this edition. It was it was pretty brutal. And it was all it was all CBS Columbia records, is that right? Because Chrysler had a deal with CBS Columbia. Exactly. Yes. So there might have been like a Miles Davis by that point, although he might have still been on on Blue Note. But I uh, this yeah it was very very limited yeah it was it was um, for everything that we researched and saw they just didn't work I mean they could play a ton of music for a record they could play forty five minutes or close to an hour of audio before they had to flip the size yeah for that slow RPM before they had to flip it was just such junk that it just didn't it it, it didn't didn't work one interesting so. thing that i found was when you would go test drive a car the dealer wouldn't come with you because you were apparently trustworthy this was pre charlie starkweather so 
<laughs> you would go and take the car out yourself and you'd drive it around. So the dealers had special records where they would put it in, they would send you off, and while you're driving on the record, a voice would tell you all about the car you were driving, which sounds great. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I like to know exactly what I'm getting into. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how long were these highway hi-fis uh, in these Chryslers? Like, was it two years, is, I think? Is what it, it didn't even last that, I don't think. Yeah, it was. I think it was the '56, the '57, and the '58 model years. Yeah, and mechanics so couldn't what, even work on them. They didn't know what what was going on with them. So it was really no, difficult I, to get. I them think fixed. that was one of the many factors that led to their d- demise, as they were factory installed, but no parts were available for anybody to work on them. Yeah. So if they if they broke, which they were going to, because it's a record player in a car, you, you couldn't fix it. <laughs> And then on top of that, I think I read somewhere there like there was was it sixty titles? It was it was not many. It was four. Uh, they had forty two records, and when you purchased okay. a car, a Chrysler with that, you were allowed to select. I think it was four records to go along with it. So you would get um, you would get some free ones if you purchased a car, and 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 then they would then you would just play those round, and every 45 minutes or so, you would have to find a way to flip that record over in the car. They didn't play both sides. <laughs> I don't think. From what um, I know that there was did you, a, tur- a car, a turntable in a car system that did play both sides, and I don't think it was this one. They, this is not the, the only time this was tried. It was just the first time. Because right after this, like almost immediately, RCA did the same thing, and they thought that the problem must be that the records are too big. So they put a 45, so they had 7-inch records in there. So then, instead of changing the record every 45 minutes, a driver has to change it every 2 to 3 minutes, <laughs> which is just even dumber. <laughs> well, you know, you got the, they probably didn't even have cup holders, so you just put the, the old-fashioned uh, on the on the uh, dash and, and put the cigarette in your mouth and, and flip that thing yeah, over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This was a um, horrible failure, which is not meant to be an omen for the show at all. <laughs> But <laughs> that's and that's not exactly why we, we selected. We just really thought the name was great. We liked the logo, and it's just a really interesting story in the history with the history of it's, music. It's really cool. I mean, I mean, honestly, if you if you had a, a large amount of disposable income, you know, in '58, you you can't tell me that you wouldn't be rocking one of these record players in your car in your Chrysler. Absolutely. I mean, I would. Oh, I would totally. I don't know if you had any more success in researching it. I could not find the names of the titles. I figured I they'd be listed somewhere. So I did. They okay, are li- there was a list online that I found. I don't have it up in front of me. It is obviously it's a 40, 42 titles, but um, you can find them. There's a there is a list. I can put the link up on the website. But you can also find some of them on a website called Popsite, which maybe some of you know, where you can see oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. how how well records have sold. If they sold for a certain amount, they show up on Popsite. It was records sold on Discogs and on eBay. And the records that I've been able to find on there from the Highway Hi-Fi series, they go for a couple hundred bucks. They even have one where it was the actual record player itself, and I think it went for 350 or more dollars. Yeah, I saw one that, I think I saw one that was about $400 that sold on eBay. Yeah. Maybe $500. It was, it was not recent. It was maybe in the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm so. not seeing anything really past like 2009 when I was looking, but they're around. So... If you really want one, we'll put up a link to that list. The list is not very interesting. It's basically no, that's a, just the crappiest. I guess stuff. all that to say is like 
the songs, there's no, there's not much I would have been interested in. No, it's a lot of uh, white jazz vocal and like Glenn Miller kind of stuff. It's couldn't yeah. be safer. Um, there were they were able to to kind of get some celebrities. We mentioned Isaac Hayes. They were able to get a couple celebrities to buy these and kind of show them off, but they probably gave them to them free. Like Muhammad Ali and George Harrison, they had them uh, so that they would pose with those for, for Chrysler, I'm sure, for a free car. Yeah, and there's apparently a picture of Jimi Hendrix with, with one, too. It might have been the uh, RCA one. I think he was holding up some 45. So, hey, uh, you know... There's nothing like a, a, a good, bad idea to, to, That's right. <laughs> to make it. And fun. so we're here to correct the failure that Chrysler made and make Highway Hi-Fi an esteemed name again. Bring it back. That's right. Own it. Own it. Yeah. So, well, uh, <laughs> I think that was, was a great first way to, uh, to, to start with the turntable talk. It's amazing what's out there. You yeah. know, it's amazing. It's amazing that the sort of stuff you can kind of, uh, kind of see – uh, people collect and get into. I don't think at that point people cared as much about damaging records. They didn't have quite the consumerism and the the fetish for collecting that started gaining more uh, more credence in like the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s now, where people wanted to just collect things and stockpile, basically hoard rare items. I don't think that really happened as much, especially now with music it didn't seem. So they didn't know they that destroying... them back like a burnt CDs in my friend's car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that that was, a, that was a thing where people didn't really mind at first that these were destroying their records, and then when they went to the store, like when they went to their TG&Y or whatever, they, they would try to buy a record and say, well, where are your 16 and two-thirds records? But they don't have it. So <laughs> then they got mad. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, go ahead, and I think it's time to listen to a few songs. Perfect. And so I'm going to go ahead and spin my first tune here. I'm not going to tell you a lot about it. I am going to tell you that for a long time, I made it uh, my uh, ringtone on my phone. That's how much I liked it. So let's go ahead and throw that on. Oh, my God. 
You are back from the dance floor. The name of that song was My Baby Likes to Boogaloo by Mr. Don Gardner. One of my favorite songs ever. Oh, it's it's amazing. That uh, record, it was a 45. It was released on True Glow Town Records in 1966. And that's um, definitely a rare groove DJ kind of collector type uh, 45. You know, kind of that frantic northern soul song, uh, sound that you know we love to we love to listen to and love to dance to i do not have the original 45 i have it on a compilation called shaking fit uh, that was put out by candy records which is a fantastic uh compilation of just kind of dance uh, soul songs but i think don't you have the 45 joe yes i have the 45 when i used to play records out in bars in chicago i would play it every single time I worked at a record store on the south side of Chicago, and this record, which is very rare and goes for quite a bit of money, forty between forty and hundred bucks usually, it would come in a lot. So we couldn't really charge too much for it unless we sold it online. So I was able to get one um, at a below market value, really. And then I got another one when a cleaner copy came in because I'm I'm a jerk um, and didn't let anybody else buy it. Yeah, it didn't let me buy it. I had to get it on a compilation. Now, I do. So. I don't think I have the two copies anymore. If I do. Um, check your mail. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, let's talk a little bit about Don Gardner. He um, was kind of an interesting guy. He first went to school for cooking and baking and restaurant management, and he was uh, he's from Philly, uh, born in 31, and uh, he was singing in the church. So uh, when he was a teenager, he still would sneak into clubs and listen to listen to some of the music that was going on there, but he still had kind of that conservative background. Uh, eventually, he decided to go ahead and give up cooking and, and go into recording. And so he made his uh, recording debut at the age of 19 with a band called The Three Bachelors, which later became the Sonotones. And it actually had Jimmy Smith on organ, you know, the mm-hmm. Jimmy Smith. So he kind of made a name that way. Uh, he also eventually um, would sing with Dee Dee Ford, who was pretty famous in her own right. And they had a single on the Fire label called I Need Your Lovin', which is also a fantastic song. Uh, he got sort of famous and cut a few more songs. And I think Dee Dee just kind of quit music. And so he started carrying, uh, started a solo career. And one of the first songs he, he put out I probably, I think he only had like three forty fives. One of the first songs he put out was this "My Baby Likes to Boogaloo," and that, like I said, it was on True Glow Town Records. It's, it is what it is. It's just a stomping good time. It's got some of my favorite lyrics because he talks about he's just bragging about how he spies for the FBI, which is the worst, <laughs> worst thing to do if you're a spy is brag about it. So yeah, the, I uh, think but, it's kind of a mishmash of nonsensical words that I think mostly he stole. From other songs, like I Spy for the FBI, I think was in was in another soul song from a few years earlier, and it's 
None of it makes any sense, but the lines are all really great, and it's just a, like the perfect Northern Soul song that everybody loves as soon as they hear it, even if they've never heard it before. Oh, it's got that awesome guitar riff, and the organ's just perfect. It's it's just a great song. Yeah. He went on and, and continued in music. He did promotions and was a manager for Curtum Records, which was uh, Curtis Mayfield's records, record company. And um, he never really got made it. Uh, he still is involved with the uh, jazz club in Philadelphia and uh, performs once in a while, apparently. So he's just kind of northern soul legend, not solely, but largely based on that song you just heard, which is, like I said, one of my absolute favorite songs. And it's kind of one of those songs, the first time I ever heard it was when Joe actually put it on. I had Joe DJ my wedding, and so Joe... Uh, put it on the mix so the first time i ever heard it was you know the my wedding wedding ceremony or not my ceremony but the uh, party afterwards which was a great dance song then and it's still one of my favorite songs. and now don't you don't have to say this or uh maria can obviously you can shut her out from hearing this what do you love more the song <laughs> or your wife yeah i had a great day that day okay <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what do you got for us, Joe? Okay, my first song is going to be a song by a, a very well-known artist. It is a cover. Seems like I did all covers in the trivia round. I might as well do a cover here as well. And you're going to know who this person is right away. It's David Bowie. Um, and at this point, paying seems like paying homage to David Bowie is akin to covering Hallelujah in concert. So I don't really want to do that. I want to uh, just kind of play the song and then talk about it without mentioning... Uh, the life of David Bowie and how much of an influence he was on me as a singer. Yeah, well, so, we got it. Okay, so here we go. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Sitting here wishing on a cement floor Just wishing that I had just something you wore Bloody your hands on a cactus tree, wipe it 
and that song is called Cactus. You probably have heard it, if well, you may have heard it done, the original version by the Pixies. David Bowie was a big fan of the Pixies. He used to cover uh, Debaser Live when he was with Tin Machine. He talks up the Pixies often. He said he started listening to them in 88. He compared them to the Velvet Underground at times, saying anybody who wow. bought their album wanted to form a band, which is which is true. I bought I bought an album, and I, I tried forming a band called Communist Toe Jam, and it didn't work. Uh, but anyway, I had pencils made with the name on it, but I didn't actually do anything. Um, at one point, David Bowie called called Black Francis, he called him a massive screaming flesh, which is such a, an apt description of that guy. That's a, Yeah, that hits the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. I that always thought he was kind of like the Michelin Man, like an indie rock Michelin Man. That's true. He is like an indie rock Michelin Man. Yeah, that's that was my description. Bo, Bowie's is a bit more poetic. But. Yeah, he's he's better with words. No <laughs> And uh, music, I think. <laughs> and... <laughs> So yeah, that's that's the song that I chose. I love that song, and I don't think it's been heard. I don't think it gets listened to enough. It's from his 2002 album Heathen. Uh, yeah, and yeah. It's an album that not it wasn't specifically uh, disparaged, but it wasn't. It didn't get a lot of uh, acclaim either, and it took me a while to get into it. But now I, I like it quite a bit, and that Cactus song is a real standout. Either whether you're listening to the Pixies version or the David Bowie version, they're both. That's just a great song. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, in a way, it's in a strange way, it's the perfect song for Bowie to cover with the dynamics that Pixies are so uh, fond of playing with, but um, just the 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 way his voice kind of can kind of carry that song because it's it's just kind of a straightforward song and just a driving song. There's not yeah. much change to it, but Bowie's voice can really kind of give it the uh, what it needs to to make it sound way way interesting not that the the pixies version is not is plenty interesting too but and if anybody ever gets a chance go on to youtube and look up tin machine doing debaser they played it at every show in like 91 on tour and it it's fantastic they they did a great job of it he loved that song he talked about it a lot i wish he'd put that on a on an album as well either the tin machine albums or or a solo record but he chose Cactus. I, ten, ten I years haven't later. heard much Tin Machine. Are they worth like seeking out? They have some really. They have a few really, really good songs. They're the really good ones of theirs are, are very short, but their live shows on YouTube that you can find are good. And then there's one. Um, I can't think of the name of it. Um, that there's a song they have kind of about God that is a minute and a half, two minutes long, and it's it's a fantastic song. One of my favorite David Bowie. And good. Well, maybe we'll show up on our show sometime. Yeah, I, so. um, I don't have it on vinyl, so we will not. Oh, never mind. I'm never not willing mind. to pay that. Not, not for Tin Machine. <laughs> so, all right. So that was my relatively unknown song from a famous artist. Hopefully you have heard it because uh, that means you already like it because you can't not like that. But if you haven't heard it, check it out. Um, get it. Buy it. Any, any, any way you can. You don't have to have it on vinyl, obviously. It's a great song. Anywhere you want it. My next track is by a relatively unknown band um, out of Connecticut from the 80s called Miracle League. Uh, okay. And so I'm going to go ahead and just play this right now, and then we'll talk about the band and the song. Great. And I don't care 
song called You're the Only. It was came out in 1989 on Rough Trade Records on the album that is called Me and Mr. Ray. Uh, Miracle Legion is, is mostly Mark Mulcahy, um, and in this case, Ray Neal. They had, before this, um, in the early 80s, they had a full band, but they were having such a disastrous time with record labels that uh, the uh, rest of the band, other than those two, quit. 
they just said, you know what, we don't we don't want to deal with this anymore. So Mark Mulcahy and Ray Neal continued on as a duo and recorded this album, Me and Mr. Ray. Um, and I think it's their best album. A lot of people don't, but I, I love it. Every single track could have been one of these songs I was playing today. You're the Only is especially memorable to me because I remember wearing out this cassette in my car in high school. So it's a song that I think is incredibly lovely and incredibly creepy at exactly the same time, which is something uh-huh. I really admire in songs. It's one of my favorite things. If you can be creepy and romantic, that's good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if you get a chance, the actually the tie-in for this is that I don't, I try to have some tie-ins with my songs, but after this album, Miracle Legion added some more, added a backing band. And two of those members, when Miracle Legion broke up again in the early 90s, they broke up for good until this most recent tour. Two of the members went on to back Frank, Frank Black and the Catholics, so they became the Catholics. So there's another huh. Pixies reference right there. Um, and Miracle Legion uh, ended up getting back together for a tour this last year. I wish I had gotten to see them. It sounds like it was really good. Um, you may know them better as Polaris. Polaris. Yeah. yeah. So that uh, was... That was Miracle Legion without Rainio. Otherwise, it's the same band. The backing band is the same that they ended with, uh, though a couple of those guys are the ones that went on to be part of the Catholic. That's that's Yeah, I didn't know that. That's real interesting about the part with Frank Black. Yeah, I definitely fell into them through Polaris, which I think only had one record, which was the uh, soundtrack for The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Yeah. And, uh, which was a great show on Nickelodeon, you know, probably when I was, I would say, what, early 90s maybe? I think so. Uh, I actually never saw a single episode. Oh, it's really good. It's a good show. Uh, Iggy Pop guest starred regularly, and it was just just kind of a fun show. Um, There's a a episode where one of the the younger brother, Pete, he's riding his bike to school or something, and and he passes the garage, and that band's playing. And they're playing one of the songs, which is uh, one of the songs that was on on the not the the theme song, but one of the songs that ended up on the on the record. I think the theme he, song was theirs too. It was called Hey Sandy, I think. Hey Sandy, I think Summer Babe was the name of the song he was playing. And so uh, he he um, he goes back to school, and then he never never hears them again. They're gone from the garage the next day. So he seeks them out and tries to find them on the radio. It's a great episode. But uh, I've always. Um, I always call certain songs like my Pete and Pete song. Like I hear it once and I don't know what it is and I never, <laughs> never hear it again. And to this day, there is a song I was listening to on Spanish radio in Denver when I was probably 24 years old that sounded like a, an amazing David Bowie song sung in Spanish. <laughs> and so I always sometimes listen to Spanish radio um, hoping I'll hear my Pete and Pete David Mexican Bowie song. I, and I sometimes listen to um, Mexican radio, not just because of the Wall of Voodoo song, but because I like polka. Yeah, yeah, it's the same, pretty much the same thing. So, yeah, yeah. but uh, that that song is awesome. And how is uh, "You're the One Lease, You're the Only" spelled? <laughs> it is uh, ridiculously spelled, which probably <laughs> didn't help with sales at all. No, um, no. It, it is spelled so. It's your uh, Y O U apostrophe R E. The, which is normal, the, T-H-E, I assume. And then it's O-N-E space L-E-E. So you're the one Lee, which, yeah, just sort of silly. <laughs> it, was, it, was the, it, was the, it was the 80s. 
The one that I played for you was actually the 12-inch version. Oh, okay. I didn't know there was two versions of it. But yep. Do you have them both? Do you yes, have them I both? Do. Yep. No. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Yeah. All right. I think it's time for my last song. And this song, if you don't know who the band is already, you're not going to be able to guess. So let me go ahead and play it.
All right, that was The Clash in the most unclash song, maybe of all time, called Lose This Skin. And Lose This Skin is a song off Sandinista, which was a, a CBS 1980 triple album release. And Sandinista is one of those records where uh, Joe and I have talked about this a lot, you know, before we did the podcast, where if they had just made that a single record instead of making it into like a double or triple record, it might have been their best record if they had just kind of edited it and, and kept the best songs and put them in a great order. But uh, it's still an awesome record, and it's one where they had a lot of freedom because they had, had a lot of success from London Calling, so they had time and money, and they could do weird things like invite their friends over to play violin and sing on Clash songs. And so that song was written and sung by the violinist Taimon Dog. And he had played with Joe Strummer in a band called the 101ers before The Clash. And he played with Joe Strummer again in the Mescaleros, which was Joe Strummer's, one of Joe Strummer's band after The Clash. And he'd, he'd been around a lot and he had a solo career, but for whatever reason, the band invited him to record the song and it is bizarre. It's fantastic, but it's bizarre. It's it's somewhere like a like a show tune singing with kind of like a zydeco <laughs> beat yeah and it's got the it's got the you know the clash backbone for sure you know the good the good drumming and and the bass line but it is it is not like any other clash song and like i said if you didn't know who it was or you never heard it i don't think if i gave you 100 guesses you would guess it's the clash it's a great song yeah and it's one of my favorite clash songs and it just because it's so weird, but it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like an anthem theme too. It's it's got a, got a lot of uh, spirit behind it. One thing that I do to judge people, one of the main, <laughs> is I will sometimes just you know get hanging out if I if I've had like one too many drinks, I will ask somebody what their favorite Clash album is, just kind of out of the blue. Yeah, uh, this is I'm a total jerk, um, and I should never do this. I probably haven't done it in 20 years, but. If they say that Sandinista is, is their favorite album, don't ever trust them if you ever ask them that. That's just not that there's no way that's any Do you have That's like the a, favorite album of the psychopath. <laughs> Do you have like a I don't like I don't think I could sit and listen through Sandinista in one sitting. I don't no, think I could. It's like metal machine music with lyrics. Like there are some great, great moments. Oh, there's amazing uh, but, songs. Uh yeah. But like you said, it's one really good album spread across and it's a band that had maybe just a little too much power which i mean they're you know they're the clash they can do whatever they want but like i think there's you get a little bit too much time and a little too much freedom i think you you can play around a little too much and sometimes these experiments are fantastic and sometimes you just don't have enough uh self-control when you put out like a weird gospel song and a weird you know just all sorts of you know crazy stuff I, but I think uh, that might have been around the time when they were really starting to have a power struggle between Joe Strummer and Mick Jones too uh, so that may have caused some problems with a lack of editing where they would refuse potentially I really have not looked into this but it could have been just sort of a power struggle I don't want to edit my songs out okay then it's three albums they got the, the, the Husker Du syndrome yeah so. exactly yeah <laughs> Except in this case, Mick Jones is never a good songwriter. 
Yeah. Well, um, yeah. And I don't, yeah, I'm really coming off like a jerk in this episode. I don't ever want to insult people who are doing things I can't do. Um, and I envy them. And But Mick Jones, just from what I've heard, doesn't sound like a great guy. Though I will, I will probably have to do some more research. Well, and Joe Strummer is just such a <laughs> cool guy. I mean, it's just, it, he just seems like one of those personalities everybody's kind of drawn to. Yeah. In some ways, The Clash is overappreciated. In some ways, Joe Strummer is way underappreciated, especially when he started putting out really good solo stuff. Yeah. Um, so going back to that, asking somebody what their favorite clash is to to make a determination about them is that like a documented system? Like if I say the self titled, does that put me in a category or London? I mean, I just want to know if there's a whole if you, personality. Um, if you say either the self titled one, um, doesn't matter whether it's the U.S. version or U.K. version, I don't care about that. Um, or <laughs> London Calling, uh, that's those are both the right answer. Either of just those. just as Joe Sixpack, just a Joe Sixpack listening to. To the, yeah. To the clash. Um, if you say give them enough rope, that's okay. I don't mind that. That means you. That means you really know them. Um, and that's a very very good album. If you say Combat Rock, you're probably sixteen. Yeah, I, Combat Rock was probably my favorite when I was sixteen. Exactly. Has some really good songs on it, but it just doesn't sound like the Clash at that point. If anybody can edit down Sandinista to a perfect single album, go ahead and send that to Joe and me. We'll I would love to see that. I yeah. thought about doing that myself, and I just haven't ever. Um, but, yeah, if anybody can do that, I would really like that a lot. Yeah, limit it to 40 minutes, maybe 35. Just track it however you want, and uh, just uh, send it to us. We'll give you our uh, uh, the Highway Hi-Fi uh, social media stuff. And uh, we'll uh, maybe someday have a contest. When we have listeners, we'll have a contest to see who makes the best Sandinista. And at that point in... At that point in vinyl, really, the records, I always thought uh, that the perfect albums were 45 minutes. So you could put one on each side of a 90-minute tape. Like yeah. um, Street Hassle, uh, Lou Reed Street Hassle is just about 45 minutes. Uh, there are a lot of REM ones, or early 80s REM ones under 45. It's, it just worked out so well. I think I like my albums either under 26 minutes or between 40 and 45 minutes. Like I really, if if you can get a great album in under twenty six minutes, I think Lee Hazelwood has a couple. I think Nick Drake's um, Pink Moon, Serge Gainsbourg. Yeah, 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 that's that's all I know. That Melody Nelson one, I think, is twenty three minutes, maybe. Gosh, is that it? I don't. I mean, it's only it could five be wrong, songs, I, and two of them so. are like two minutes. Yeah. yeah, it probably is. Okay. Anyways, that's our first uh, Highway Hi Fi challenge. Perfect Sandinista for us, and I go. think it is time to answer some trivia questions. Okay. These are obviously just mine because we answered, or you answered yours. I didn't answer any of them. Uh, the first <laughs> part. So I'm going to play these tracks again. The first four are soul jazz versions of other songs that maybe you would know. Hopefully you'll know. Um, you should. They're pretty popular. The last one is is not a soul jazz song, but it is a cover of a song that everybody should know, I would think. So here we go. Track one. Track 
three. So you embarrassed me on yours. Uh, let's see how you do. I'm actually less confident now than I was when I first listened to them. Okay, um, that's good. I'm, I think the third one is some sort of version of Superfly. Okay. Originally you by Curtis Mayfield. Very good. You got that one? Okay. Okay. And I don't know any of the others, if I'm being honest. They, some of them sound vaguely familiar, but they're so whack, whacked out. So, <laughs> they, they are so, uh, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and wave the white flag on this and say that we both uh, stumped each other on these quizzes yeah we may have gotten off to a, a bit of a rough start here trying to show each other up so and that just may have turned some people off I hope next quiz next quiz next quiz I'm going to give you is name the four beetle members <laughs> <There you go. laughs> four what um <laughs> Ripko um anyway okay so the first track is one of the most covered rock and roll songs ever. It's by, originally by The Doors. It's Light My Fire. Uh, it's a okay, very, very popular okay. cover among uh, soul jazz guys from the 70s. And this one is maybe my, this is clearly my favorite. It's by a guy named Boogaloo Joe Jones. He played guitar. Wait um, a second. What is his name? Boogaloo Joe Jones. Oh my gosh. That's and he has name. some of the best album covers ever. Super, super cool. Uh, a lot of his albums are great. Uh, if you like this sound at all, check that out. <laughs> the next one is Sunshine Superman, originally by Donovan. Um, this is by Lonnie Liston-Smith. Uh, yeah, it's, a live, it's a live version. He doesn't have a cool uh, adjective? Uh, no, he ended up going on to have some, uh, it's like Dr. Lonnie Smith, I think. But that's when he really <laughs> started to not be very good to me. Yeah. Like I didn't like that stuff. Uh, a lot of people do, but I, I didn't care for that one. This is a this is a live one and it's called it's from an album called Move Your Hand and this version I think it's like 25 minutes long. It's really fun. The next one is Superfly. Uh, the version this one is by Ruben Wilson. Um, he's an an organ player. Uh, he's he's a goofy goofy guy. He's got some got some really good stuff. He's got some really bad stuff. It's but it's always kind of fun. Okay. Okay. The next one is by one of my favorite jazz artists ever, Lou Donaldson, and it's um, the Isley Brothers song It's Your Thing. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. I and then I think once you know the names of the songs, if you go back and listen to these tracks, you're going to hear it immediately. It is. It was sort of an unfair quiz. It's hard to pull those out when they're using so such different um, instruments. The last song is, uh, it's a Bob Dylan song. It's one called Blowing in the Wind, which I oh, think everybody yeah. should know. And this is by Dwayne Eddy. 
And this <laughs> this album is pretty funny. It's called uh, Dwayne Eddy Does Dylan, and it has a cover very much like Highway 61, where he's laying on the floor, there's a woman, there's all kinds of crap around him. But the funniest thing I think about this album is, of all of the songs on there, in an album called Dwayne Eddy Does Dylan, three or four of them are not Bob Dylan songs <laughs> at all. So... <laughs> It's, it's sort of like my uh, copy of Chipmunk Punk, where they have three Billy Joel songs just kind of slipped on there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, wait, what, what, what were the three non-Dylan songs? He does, Don't Think Twice, It Ain't Me, Babe, She Belongs to Me, All I Really Want to Do, Love Minus Zero No Limit, Mr. Tambourine Man, Blown in the Wind. Now, the songs that are not Bob Dylan songs that he does... He does House of the Rising Sun, which Bob Dylan covers or on his very, very first album. Uh, so, okay, that's fine. You can get away with that. Now, okay, we'll, we'll get. Yeah, we'll then he does yeah. Not the Loving Kind, which is a Lee Hazelwood song. Um, Lee Hazelwood <laughs> wasn't even one of the next Bob Dylans. Then, though, that side one, uh, I set it out of order, but th- those two are on side one. Then side two has a couple non-Dylan songs, too. It's One of them is Houston which is also by Lee Hazelwood. Another great, Lee Hazelwood song. song right? um, you should hear the, yeah. the Dean Martin version. It's really good. Then he d- But Dwayne Eddy and Lee Hazelwood like, were yeah. tight, yep. right? Didn't yep. you? Absolutely. Yeah. So he may have just been trying to get Lee some money. I don't know. Anyway, anyway then he does on um, that same album. The last two songs on that side are Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, which Dylan never did. And he does Eve of Destruction, which is... Uh, Barry McGuire's song Barry McGuire? that is a Dylan ripoff. So, <laughs> right, right. but that's Dwayne does Dylan. Is it pretty good or is it pretty bad? It is really good if you listen to it uh, just in, in bits at a time. So if you take out, you know, if you listen to a couple songs, two or three songs, it sounds really good. Um, but don't don't listen to the whole thing. It's <laughs> like Sam Me Sound one album. It's <laughs> that's right, that's right. Just take out all the yeah. It would have made a really songs, good forty five. Uh, no, it's uh, it's pretty good. It has, <laughs> yeah, five or six movies on that. That's great. And uh, you mentioned the cover. We are going to be posting um, all the record covers of songs we play and, and various kind of junk and, and debris that we find on, uh, on the Internet on our uh, various social media entities. So, Joe, what is our, our social okay. media? Where, where can you where so can we have, us? So we do have a Twitter account. Um, our handle is Highway Hi-Fi Pod. It wouldn't fit podcast. Uh, so we will be posting links to YouTube videos, links to clips that we've seen um, that we like, or, or um, we may be posting record album covers and stuff like that. So that's the first one. The next one is a Facebook page that we have that's Highway Hi-Fi. Pretty simple. Um, go there to see information about music we played on the show, um, information about Highway Hi-Fi or any of our turntable talks will be posted there. Um, we may even start posting records we're playing and just to create some discussion. Please go out and support record source, support musicians, report, support uh, labels that you love. Just go out and buy some music. Uh, we know in this day and age it's easy to just uh, find music and, and not pay for it. But remember that the people that are making the, the music and the media that we love, uh, they need to, to be able to live too. So uh, go support some good people and uh, let them know that, uh, how much you love the music that they're making and getting to you. And so uh, thank you all for uh, hanging with us to the end of this, our very first podcast. We're going to try to get them out pretty regularly, and we're going to hopefully when we start, we'll have uh, several for you to be able to go through and get addicted to, hopefully. 
And uh, But anyways, we appreciate it. Please uh, give us a shout-out on all the social media. Let us know you're out there. And if you like it or you like the songs, tell your friends, tell your music-loving buddies. We do appreciate you listening. Yeah, thank you all very much. Make some recommendations, too, if there are songs that you want other people to hear. We'll play them if we have them. Absolutely. All right. We'll see you later. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.